So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, wow. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah, yeah. Welcome into episode two of The Full Goal Podcast, right here on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm Jason Golf, and as always, we got bears, we got socks, because it's that type of year. It's that time of year, I should say, as well. So today was uh, Blame Everybody Else Day, and I find it interesting because uh, whenever you come off of a loss, especially in this city, everybody's trying to figure out not just who to blame, but what the hell is going on. And, and if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Today we heard from not not just Matt Nagy, but we also heard from the people that wanted to figure out what the hell was going on with that defense. Today was a, more of a focus, and, and I would say yesterday as well, Monday, was more of a focus on the defense and less of a focus on all the Justin Fields stuff. You know, as if you heard episode one, went on for about 35, 40 minutes in the beginning of the pod about – Justin Fields, but now we can spray to all fields, no pun intended. God, I hate myself for making that reference. But Matt Nagy uh, had some things to say, and, and very interestingly so. If, if, if you didn't hear this, um, the, the question was posed to him about Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. It was the same question that, I, I, listen, I, I'm, no, I'm no genius when it comes to this thing. I, I feel like there, there are very few original thoughts when you're talking about what we're watching here in terms of a quarterback position and what Matt Nagy's offense hasn't been over the last couple of years especially and how dynamic it needs to be, especially going forward with the offensive line being in the shape that it's in, whether it be injury or poor play. This is what Matt Nagy said today when uh, approached with the question uh, that we kind of placed in his lap on this very podcast in episode one. What the hell is Justin Fields not doing or what is Andy Dalton going to do better than Justin Fields after you look at the week one tape? Let's give it a listen. 
It's just the beginning yeah. and the start, but to Bears fans, every game is telltale. Yep. So after seeing Andy Dalton live, I think what Bears fans want to know is what does Dalton give you that at this point Justin Fields does not? Well, that's a good question. I understand it. Uh, but when you look back and you say, and after you're able to watch the tape and see where you're at, you, you, you know that, um, you know, we talked about, and I, I brought it up in regards to producing and scoring touchdowns and, and winning. And so we're always evaluating that. But I thought that Andy did a pretty good job yesterday of being able to, um, you know, get the ball out to guys where he needed to in certain situations. I, I You look back and the biggest the biggest error that he had was that interception to start the game. And sometimes those can be big ones because that's a momentum deal right on third down. So, um, you know, without getting into the the comparisons too much, I just think that right now when we're evaluating Andy, that I thought he did uh, a good job of being able to put us in, in good situations and then using Justin when we did. Justin did well too. So I ask myself when I hear this, because Matt Nagy seems like a swell fellow, seems like a decent enough dude, but this man was brought here to transform this offense into the the new millennium type of offense that we've seen uh, over the last three or four years. The NFL, if you're, if you're scoring 30 points a game, you're considered one of the better offenses in the game. You know, there's about four or five teams over the last couple of years, last three years or so, that have consistently stayed in that 30 points per game range. And uh, in 2017, you had the Los Angeles Rams lead the league with with 29.9 points per game, and the Bears were uh, third from the bottom at 16.5 points a game. Then the Matt Nagy era begins, and obviously if you're any, anywhere close to Andy Reid or the Kansas City Chiefs situation, you're going to get a look. The Kansas City Chiefs in 2018 scored 35 points a game. We got introduced to Patrick Mahomes. Meanwhile, the Chicago Bears had climbed all the way to 26 points per game. Everybody in the city was like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. You got Club Dub. Everybody's running around, you know, dancing in the, in the damn locker room every time they won a game. It was cool. It was a good vibe. And then 2019 rolls around, and that, that thing starts to kind of take a turn for the worse. You get down to 17 and a half points a game. And you're asking yourself, what's Mr. Trubisky going to be? What is he not? What's happening with the offense? Is he not rolling out enough? Is he not moving the pocket enough for a guy who was, uh, what, 13-game starter at the University of North Carolina? And then you move on to 2020, last year, where the Chicago Bears scored a paltry 23.3 points a game. And now you have this year where we're all talking about Justin Fields and when we're going to see him. Andy Dalton, uh, this, this isn't an indictment on Andy Dalton. You can't get mad at a guy for being what he is, but let's face it, Andy Dalton is a dude who is a, I keep saying it, he is a quantifiable entity. You know exactly what's going on with him. So when I hear Matt Nagy said that Andy Dalton got put you in some good positions and put you in some good situations, I don't consider 14 points scored at all a good situation, and half those points were scored by you guessed it, Justin Fields on an RPO situation where he tucked the ball and ran. I I don't know as we go forward here if it if it can't be more clear that Matt Nagy would rather his system work and everybody don him once again the offensive genius the offensive wonderkin rather than rather than forming his system to the talent that he has or the talent that he doesn't have. You know, we, we threw out a pod poll before uh, tonight's episode, and, and I asked the people out there, 
Who who do they most blame for week one? And I know week one overreactions are all, you know, they're, they're all the rage because we, we've been starved for football. We finally got football. And then when you get a loss, you got to figure out what the hell you're going to talk about for the next few days. I asked the people out there, and we received uh, close to 2,000 votes in only about three or four hours. So shout out to everybody out there who following us uh, on the Twitter feed, at Jason1Golf. I asked who should take the most blame for week one and why, and 33% said Ryan Pace, 42% said Matt Nagy, 24% said the defense, and 1% said the offense. And I understand the 1% because you, you didn't expect this team to score 30-some-odd points against the L.A. Rams, but you didn't expect them to look as poorly as they did. Well, at least I didn't expect them to look as poorly as they did. You, you, you take a look at what Ryan Pace has given uh, Matt Nagy, and it, say what you want about Charles Leno. Uh, and, and Bears fans have said everything that they wanted about Charles Lund over the last few years. Whatever you want to say about him, he was a, an average to sometimes below average, sometimes above average left tackle, but he was there every single game. Now, every single snap, you're taking a look at your tackle situation wondering, all right, Tevin Jenkins, when are you going to see him after the back surgery? Jason Peters, they go get him off the couch. Larry Borum is a guy who is a fifth-round pick that has seen uh, – too much time, you know, this early probably in his career. You got Elijah Wilkinson. You got Jermaine Fetty, You got guys who are journeymen in the NFL. And then you got that interior three, which I think is pretty decent, in James Daniel, Sam Mustafer, and also Cody White here, who I thought did a pretty decent job against Aaron Donald for about two and a half, three quarters. So the, the blame is there to spread around for the Chicago Bears. But when, when you're telling me that Andy Dalton did – enough and put you in enough good spots what it tells me is you're trying to either be stubborn for stubborn sake and say hey look at this or or what's more likely is you guaranteed Andy Dalton the starting spot if he came here and now you're looking kind of crazy because it's not working out this early in the season now they may go on to score 35 points against the Cincinnati Bengals, get themselves a win. But all I know is you know exactly how this thing's going to turn out. It's kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Everywhere Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, he gets – and until now with that bad, bad hip injury in Washington. But everywhere Ryan Fitzpatrick goes, he's going to have two or three games where he's like, my God, this dude is, is – turning it up out here but he's also going to have four or five games where you know that there are going to be two picks thrown he's going to have to make a couple of tackles it, it, it won't feel good on the offensive end Andy Dalton is kind of in that realm to me I'm I'm there's no doubt that Andy Dalton is a serviceable to now less than serviceable quarterback he can get you in and out a couple of weeks he maybe can get you six or seven weeks but after that this is a guy who is no longer going to be anybody's um first thought when it comes to quarterbacking hell he was the backup in dallas and they let him go so i i'm really really wondering if matt nagy is not further indicting himself to bears fans and to the nfl as Maybe just a good offensive coordinator, maybe a good quarterbacks coach, because I can't help but wonder from all the stuff I'm reading and, and all the things that I've gone back and read about everything that the people have said around that team and on that team about Justin Fields. David Montgomery couldn't wait to talk about his aura like we talked about in episode one. And, and now you've got Marquise Goodwin, who. You know, God bless them. I, I love when new dudes come to a team because they sometimes don't know what to say and they say the wrong thing or the right thing right when you need a story. Marquise Goodwin 
uh, it, it, for those who don't know, uh, for first year with the Chicago Bears at the wide receiver position, this is a dude who speedster. He's he's been on the uh, San Francisco 49ers previously. It's, it's a guy who you know you you come in, you maybe get some special team stuff out of him, maybe get some stuff out of him in the slot, but you're not expecting too much from a guy like Marquise Goodwin uh, today. And, and as I'm looking for the quote here, this is what Marquise Goodwin had to say. Uh, when speaking about Jalen Ramsey and, of course, that L.A. Rams defense. He said, quote, he's a unique player, speaking of Jalen Ramsey, all pro, pro bowler, instinctive, especially in short spaces. And this is the most important part of the quote to me. And us not running past 10 yards that fell right into his hands, I feel like. Now, this isn't just speaking about Jalen Ramsey, in my estimation. This is speaking about the entire defense that they were going up against. And if you saw it, all they had to do was throw that umbrella coverage out there. And if you catch the ball before the sticks or if you catch the ball before first down territory or you got, you got to come up and make a tackle. It's just that easy. It's that easy to stop the Bears' offense right now. There's, there's – uh, six, seven yards of air distance in some of these throws. I mean, you got a guy who had, what, six yards or so per pass attempt? That's not going to cut it in the league these days. And I know Justin Fields messed around and held the ball longer than any quarterback in the preseason. My problem is if you were brought in to be the offensive guru, the offensive genius, you know, a- Andy Reid's um, you know, tree, his coaching tree, uh, if you were brought in to be that guy – and you've seen the offense get worse progressively every single year. And if Mitchell Trubisky wasn't the guy, and Nick Foles wasn't the guy, and now you've got Justin Fields waiting in the wings, I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself, with Bears fans talking about the last two years, David Montgomery not getting the ball enough, and I still think he didn't get the ball enough in that first game. And now you've got your defensive issues. Like, this is where, this is where it really gets, really gets kind of dicey because for the last few years, the Bears' defense has been able to hold it down uh, suitably enough, right? But now with no Kyle Fuller, and, and no Danny Trevathan and no Eddie Goldman. I mean, you got guys filling in on this defense who aren't the players that they were filling in for. Obviously, the starters are better. So if Roquan Smith is going in the in, sideline to sideline and, and tackling everything in sight and Akeem Hicks is doing what he has to do, then you got to pick up the slack. And Tashawn Gibson and Eddie Jackson had a terrible game, right? taking bad angles, missing tackles, Cooper Cup bowling over pretty much Eddie Jackson inside the five and getting a touchdown. Khalil Mack, I mean, I mentioned it in episode one. Julius Peppers, the ghost of Julius Peppers, may be haunting Bears fans right now every time they see Khalil Mack not make explosive boom plays on the defensive side of the football. He had one assisted tackle in game one. Went back and watched the second half of that defensive effort by the Bears and – I'm sorry, man. Like, if he's not battling, as Alex Brown mentioned in episode one, if he's not breaking through on some of these double teams because he's getting a little long in the tooth, he's battling injuries. Like, Khalil Mack has had himself damn near a Hall of Fame career, right? And if you're at the end of the Khalil Mack is dominant era, well, you got to pick it up on the offensive end. There's a lot of money on that side of the football, but you brought this guy in to, to develop players and also scheme things up. The Demir Birds of the world can't be blocking uh, on Marquise Goodwin bubble screens. 
right? Damian, Damian uh, uh, Williams can't be messing around running the ball after you gash somebody for 35 yards with David Montgomery. These are the issues that I'm having right now. And on top of it, it was blame Sean Desai day today too as well, the, the, the new defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Uh, the communication issues in the backfield. All right, Bears fans know about blown coverage, especially in big games. You know, harking back to, to, to Reggie Wayne running scot-free uh, in the Super Bowl in Miami not too long ago when Daniel Manning blew a coverage and then Lance Briggs came out, you know, a, damn near a decade later and said he was the one that messed up the communication. So we all know that NFL teams are going to take advantage of any crack or any hole that you give them any exploitable window that is out there so if i'm matt nagy right now i'm looking around like wait a minute wait a minute this defense is not and may not be what it has been over the last couple of years and i'm sitting here wondering just wondering when this offense is going to get going it's up to you matt so no andy dalton didn't have a good game he didn't put you in positions and if you listen to that can we run that one more time chris because if you really listen to it he didn't he didn't answer the question he didn't tell you what andy dalton did any better except for some nebulous terms that we can all throw out anytime a quarterback is just taking snaps from center so run it again and you tell me you be the judge out there you let me know if this answers the question what andy dalton did or can do better than justin fields after what we saw in week one i just want to run it one more time and then we'll move on it's just the beginning yeah. and the start but to bears fans every game is telltale yep. so after seeing andy dalton live i think what bears fans want to know is what does dalton give you that at this point justin fields does not well that's a good question i understand it uh but when you look back and you say and after you're able to watch the tape and see where you're at you you, you know that um you know, we talked about, and I, I brought it up in regards to producing and scoring touchdowns and, and winning. And so we're always evaluating that. But I thought that Andy did a pretty good job yesterday of being able to, um, you know, get the ball out to guys where he needed to in certain situations. I, I, you look back and the biggest, the biggest error that he had was that interception to start the game. And sometimes those can be big ones because that's a momentum deal right on third down. So, um, you know, without getting into the, the comparisons too much. I just think that right now when we're evaluating Andy that I thought he did uh, a good job of being able to put us in, in good situations and then using Justin when we did. Justin did well too. What good situations did you see the Bears offense in throughout that game in week one of the NFL season, the week that you've been practicing for and prepping for the entire preseason, all of training camp. You know, I remember Lovey Smith used to say we would get, like, for instance, when when uh, I was believe it was it was a Matt Forte's rookie year, and was, we, I, we're getting ready for the Colts. We're getting ready for the Colts. All right, all right, fine. You, you're doing that all preseason. You're doing that all training camp. You get ready for it, and then you go out there and you play the Colts. If you're getting ready for the Rams all preseason long, and all I get out of you is is Andy Dalton going 27 to 38 for 208 yards, 5.4 yards per pass attempt? That's going to get you beat. That's going to get you beat, and that's exactly what Marquise Goodwin is talking about. If you're not running past the sticks or if you're not running anything uh, more than 10 yards, there weren't even any intermediate routes that were open out there. And, 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 and it may seem like I'm piling on Andy Dalton. I'm not. He can only do what he can do. But if I'm getting five yards of pop on the ground, I'm going to run it more than 26 times before the game gets out of hand. 
So questionable play calling, choosing to go for certain fourth downs, uh, you know, not making it a one-score game, you know, not kicking field goals when you think you should be kicking field goals, especially against a defense. Let's face it, they weren't getting blown out in the first half. The Bears were down 13-7 to in the first half, and it felt like a 20-point deficit. That's because of what this offense is and what we can expect it to be as Bears fans right now. Like I said, I'm sure Matt Nagy is a, is a swell guy, but – the the uh, the results ain't adding up and all the stuff that that he came into this situation with the coach of the year. I was down. I was I was I was ecstatic that the Bears had finally stepped into the future and, and hired not just an offensive coach, but an offensive coach that seemed like he got it. But after the league took a look and circled back and, and scouted, we got what we got right now as, as a Bears fandom. We got an offense that's sputtering. We got an old-ass defense, an older-than-you-think defense that's out there getting gashed. Now, like I said, it may be different when you play the Cincinnati Bengals in week two, but the Cincinnati Bengals just pushed around the Minnesota Vikings. So, no, Andy Dalton didn't do anything different again in episode two that I think that Justin Fields would have done, and the answers today proved that. There was nothing in that answer that, that truly stated not just the truth, but anything that you should feel um, good about as, as a Bears fan watching this offense. And as we go forward, this defense, if they don't get it together, if Khalil Mack doesn't have those breakout performances, and Akeem Hicks is doing what he has to do to get that bag, so I can appreciate it. You're going to be a couple, a couple more weeks without Danny Trevathan. You know, Roquan Smith can only do so much. And that secondary, boy, I mean, yeah, I, I'm clamoring for Artie Burns in the preseason at the other cornerback position. Because right now, Marquis Christian and the likes of Kendall Vildor just ain't going to get it done. They might get it done in the future, but it ain't right now. So if you're the Bears fans out there listening to this thing, just keep listening to how the coach is answering these questions and, and ask yourself, am I watching what he's saying? The full goal with Jason Goff. Connect with the show 24-7 on the full gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. All right, it's time for what I think will uh, quickly become one of my favorite things that we do on this podcast, and it's ever-evolving. We got uh, We got some production elements that we're going to slide into this thing as we go along but man it was uh, such a rousing success in episode one we learned about a, a young lady who had got stung by a bee in the roof of her mouth and her drunk uncle just happened to call up just to talk about it not even talk about anything in the chicago sports world so the voicemail line is there for you uh whatever you want to drop in on us it's right there for you we'll give you the number once again after we listen to these calls but here's the voicemails for episode two on the full go podcast 820, 1160, sporting news, all the way up to your current podcast endeavors. I don't know what to say about the Bears. There's a definitive problem. Either Matt Nagy is sufficiently inflexible that he cannot adjust and provide a quality coaching output as a result of the adequate players that Ryan Pace is providing him, or Ryan Pace is completely incapable of providing the specific 
rigid type of players that Matt Nagy needs in order to effectively run his offense. Either one or both of these gentlemen is clearly incompetent and incapable of doing what is necessary. Matt Nagy was going for it on fourth down because he knew he couldn't compete. This is Jim Boylan bad. We have to do something about this. Please help. Oh, man. How mighty have fallen, right? Three years ago. I don't think we would think that we would be comparing Matt Nagy to the uh, the Jim Boylan era of Chicago Bulls basketball. Can't wait till we start talking Bulls again on this podcast. Uh, actually, for the first time on this podcast. Yeah, I can't can't disagree with anything you said there. Um, you know, the uh, part about rigid players kind of piqued my interest a little bit. I don't, I don't know where that was going. But, yeah, uh, Ryan Pace in, in our pod poll. The people voted a lot for Ryan Pace. And if you take a look at it, there's been some some fine picks. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Eddie Goldman is a damn good pick. Right? Eddie Jackson, you know, the first couple of years of Eddie Jackson seemed like, a, you know, he hit a home run with that one. But when you miss at the quarterback position with Mitchell Trubisky, when you miss, when you move up to draft Leonard Floyd, a guy who you saw in week one against, against those L.A. Rams uh, who had himself a terrific season last year rushing the passer. Uh, when you miss on guys like that, you're going to have issues. Kevin White, uh, I never forget at Bourbonnais when the, the whole Kevin White leg saga you know, started, and we knew then that, that we were being lied to. So, yeah, Ryan Pace is under the gun as well. But who knows? Because if, if Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace know something that we don't know by not inserting Justin Fields into the, the starting quarterback position, maybe, maybe they have more job security than we're aware of. So, Chris, let's get to the next one. Hey, Jason. I love the show. I'm calling from Canada, actually. I lived in Chicago for 33 years, been out in Canada for a few years working out here, and it's, it's lonely as a Bears fan, uh, surrounded by people who don't even watch the sport, and people see all kinds of Patriots jerseys. They get to pick their teams out here, and it's almost not even fair. But uh, I love the show. I really started to get into these uh, Chicago-themed sports podcasts, and, and, and I was blown away by your rant. I uh, absolutely loved it, so, so I appreciate what you're doing. And uh, you know, hope, hopefully it keeps going on because I'm going to keep listening. But my take on it last night, every shot they showed but one of Justin Fields, that kid is standing on the sidelines with his helmet on because he's ready to play. I honestly think he sees the full NFL game speed, and it's not all that fast for him. And it's it's really hard to get excited about a quarterback in Chicago because, well, haven't been a fan for, for 30 plus years. We don't have a good track record there. But with this kid, it's honestly, it's hard to not get excited. He's conquered every challenge in the preseason. Everything they've thrown at him. So I just don't understand why they're gonna, why they're gonna just dick around with the fans, not start them. They think they have this plan involved, but there's no situation that you could explain to me where Nagy and Pace remain in control this season and don't get fired at the end of the year. Look, we're not going to the playoffs. We have to play Tampa. We have to play Seattle. We have to play Green Bay twice, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. We're not winning out this season. Throw them out there against the hard teams, and you're going to find out just what this kid can do. And that's, I think, what I'm excited about. I don't care if we end up 6-11. Uh, and 11. It, it doesn't matter. What, what, 
I think we all want to see is this quarterback. That's all anybody wants to see this season. There's the hype around him. It's real. He's got the ability. He's got the talent. I agree with you. I honestly think he's more talented and a better athlete than Trevor Lawrence. Time will tell there. All of my friends disagree with me, but we're going to see. Anyway, you keep talking. I'll keep listening. Thanks. Appreciate you, brother. If you're around a bunch of Canadians and they don't really get down with football, maybe you can trick them into believing uh, the the more points you score, the worse your offense is. Like maybe you can kind of redefine what NFL football is for them so that you don't have to go through the uh, – the, the harsh life, the harsh sports life of being chided by people who uh, who, who have funny accents. Uh, and that's coming from Chicagoans. So, you know, hey, man, enjoy your time up there in Canada. Um, you know, crack a couple Molsons for me or whatever the hell y'all do up there. And, uh, you know, you wait for hockey season, I guess. Um, yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, the whole the whole schedule thing is hilarious to me. Oh, you can't throw them out there against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ram. Have you seen the Bears' schedule? You see who they play weeks what six through eleven? That meat grinder of a schedule. Ain't no ain't no days off. That's the other thing too. Stop acting like oh well you can you can play them against this. It's, you still gonna be the Bears. You still gonna be the Bears though. Your offensive line still gonna be hurt and bad. So. You know, don't don't take a look at Tampa like ah this is the way oh drop him in against Detroit. Detroit messed around and put what thirty on on the forty nineers in week one. What you think they gonna might do against this defense? So yeah, the, the the schedule thing and the competition thing, or you know the 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 mental reps that 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 Justin Fields has to get, it's all hogwash to me. And I hate using stupid words like hogwash, but it's hogwash to me. In the end, this thing might be. Um, a stink fest, you know, and the only thing that is going to make it smell a little bit better is us seeing the development of a quarterback. Throw him in the damn game and figure it out. What else we got, Chris? Hey, this is uh, Bill from L.A. I'm a huge Boston fan. The Bulls probably shouldn't have won the 1991 title. I'll tell you why. The Celtics, who I think were 30-5 and five coming out of the gate, Larry Bird hurt his back. They used to go toe-to-toe with that Bulls team. Reggie Lewis going against Michael Jordan. He's still playing better than any two guards in the league. If Bird doesn't get hurt that year, do we have a last dance? Does Jordan ever win a title? Do the Bulls fans think about this? Do they pray to their lucky stars every single day that the legend got hurt in 91 and paved the way for six titles for MJ? I don't think they do. I think this would be a good topic for your show if the Bears try to go 0-17. Good luck with the show. Oh, there it is. Uh, I, I recognize that voice. And, and, and Bill from L.A., you know, you, you kind of put two and two together. But I, I'll play along here. And Bill from L.A., you're an idiot. I got to be honest with you. There's, there, that's the start of one of the most dynastic runs in sports history. And and as I take a look at this, was it 9091? Was it 90-91 roster, right? Let me let me take a look at this Boston Celtics roster that you're talking about. And, and and God bless Reggie Lewis because Reggie Lewis is getting ready to be one of the best players in the NBA. But I'm sorry, man. Kevin Gamble wasn't going to get it done. D. Brown was going to get his ass locked up. And Larry Bird was still messing around, laying on the floor because of that bad back that, that, that shortened, uh, you know, the, the twilight of his career. You know, Scottie Pippen went on to shut down Magic Johnson, and the Bulls went on to beat the L.A. Lakers. So don't give me this Boston shit, Bill from L.A. We appreciate your call, but, you know, 
don't do it again unless you're, you're the boss of this thing and you, you're responsible for checks being doled out. But that's, that's far-fetched that, that that could be the case because Dollar Bill Simmons would never call a lowly show like this. So uh, is that the end of our voicemails, Chris? Is that the one that you wanted me to get in there? Is that the one that you wanted me to hear? Uh, shout out to Bill from L.A. Uh, for, for listening to the show and everybody for dialing up the voicemail line. We appreciate you as always. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Sox Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the Sox are winners in a thriller. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. All right, as we sit here, the White Sox magic number has uh, been cut to seven after Cleveland Indians lose. Sox 83 and 61, and as a Sox fan, you're feeling decent about things right now. Uh, we've, we've seen teams kind of take that, that, I don't want to say awkward, but that weird step, step or stretch leading into the postseason. And it seems like the Sox are not just getting healthy, but also trying to figure out what that bullpen is going to look like. But when you get uh, Tim Anderson back, the, the catalyst for the team, not just the offense, but when you get him back and you get Lucas Giolito back on the same night, uh, you're feeling good. Giolito struck out Otani to start the game. and He was missing spots early, like the first couple of innings, but he, he get eight strikeouts out of the guy in, in four innings, gave up a couple of bombs, but I'm not really worried about Lucas Giolito. Uh, his fastball looked good, and his changeup was outstanding. Still working on that slider, uh, as Steve Stone pointed out during the, uh, the broadcast. And the Angels threw somebody out there named Packy Naughton. And I, I, I like weird names, and if, if your name is Packy and you, your real name is Patrick, um, you deserve to get your head beaten in. And that's exactly what the White Sox did to young Packy Naughton. Uh, and then Gilito comes out there, and he struck out the side in the second. Luis Robert, uh, if, you, if you're not privy to Luis Robert and you're listening to the Full Go podcast from out of town or you're just checking in on some Chicago sports happening, Luis Robert, a, a lot of Sox fans, every Sox fan was very excited about this young man years ago, a couple of years ago, because every time you saw him on Instagram, he was taking pictures at his dinner table with his shirt off and his gold chain shining. You, you hoped you just hope that the talent would belie all the swag, and guess what? Uh, he's, he's making up for it. Uh, he's been hitting the hell out of the ball. Really, really good contact. And a guy who hasn't been hitting the ball, and it seems like just a timing issue, is Eloy Jimenez, but he made a great catch in the third. I, I, don't, feel, I don't feel bad about the Sox right now. Yeah, you got a couple of starters who you need to, to, to straighten out. And, yeah, the bullpen, you know, back into the bullpen is still – I won't say dicey, but you, you, you're worried about the Craig Kimballs of the world. And, you know, Liam Hendricks is a dude who uh, is a fun roller coaster ride, but you don't, you, you don't want roller coaster rides in the, in the postseason. But as far as it's concerned, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros are the teams that you have to worry about in the American League. And I think the White Sox are right there. Uh, and as we get set to hear from Jason Benetti, who actually talks about what the Tampa Bay Rays might uh, pose as a threat to the White Sox. You saw it in tonight's game as well. Sox win 9-3. You're feeling good about it, but, you know, there's a couple of bobble balls in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the infield. Uh, Tim Anderson had himself, not, I won't say an issue, but, you know, you worry about certain defensive aspects of this team in left field with Eloy Jimenez and also, also the base running. 
Uh, Yasmani Grandal, obviously it didn't hurt this team tonight, but Yasmani Grandal getting thrown out a second, trying to you know stretch a, a, a double out of a single. So tightening up the base running and obviously pitching and defense, tightening up all three aspects and, and hopefully going into the postseason with your head held high. This, this division is over. You're just waiting for the days to, to come off the calendar. But if I'm a White Sox fan, which I am, I'm feeling good going into uh, the, the postseason. And you should feel good, and you have been feeling good over the last couple of years or so, a few years, because – you go from Hall Carrollson. I grew up with Hall Carrollson and Tom Pachork, Wimpy. They were the soundtrack to every one of my summers as a kid. And you just hope that after Hall Carrollson is done, you get the team in good hands. And they couldn't be in any better hands. Steve Stone is one of the best to ever do it, not just in this city, but I believe nationally as a color analyst. And I think they've got a guy right now in Jason Benetti who will end up being one of the best to ever do it. And, you know, Nationally, everybody is aware of him. Chicago Magazine did a terrific piece on him. My guy Chris Tannehill threw it in the group chat, got a chance to read it uh, shortly before we sat down with Jason Benetti. But he not only is one of the better dudes, but he's also damn good at his job. So give it a listen. Jason Benetti joined us prior to tonight's Angels-White Sox game right here on the Full Go Podcast. Thanks for doing this, brother. I appreciate you. I'm glad to. I'm glad you asked. I mean, Congratulations, by the way. Dude. I, uh, I'm very happy to be doing what I feel like I wanted to do when I was 11, 12 years old. And we might as well just start this thing right there at the top because we, we celebrate the guys and, and we also celebrate the gals and we celebrate the gods because Jason Benetti, I don't know if anybody out now nah, you can shake your head all you want. You don't even have to agree with it. I'm just going to let people know how I feel about you. Jason Benetti is not only the White Sox play-by-play announcer on the TV side of things, uh, the man roams in so many different sports circles that I have no idea how or who does the scheduling or keeps up with the organization of his calendar. I've got two podcasts that I started this week, and I have no idea where I'm supposed to be every single day. I just know I'm supposed to be talking into a microphone. Uh, Jason, you are... You are as good as they come already, and I agree with the Chicago Magazine piece that was done with Steve Stone saying this dude could be the Bob Costas of his generation. He's a star, uh, and he's an even better person, and I will, uh, I will retract all of this if he is caught in any scandal going forward. Uh, he, he is the great Jason Benetti joining us from a hotel or, or actually, you're, you're right here in the city. You're right here in the city because you got yeah. Angels versus White Sox, Shohei Otani, everybody, Joe, uh, Joe Madden, the whole gang is here. But we'll get into the Sox stuff. But, Jason, thank you so much for joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. Dude, I'm happy to call you a friend. You are a real human being in a world where real human beings seem to be evaporating. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I think the Bob Costas of the generation thing, the way I took that was – that the next time Trey Parker and Matt Stone make basketball, I get to be the announcer for it. <laughs> I, I, hey, as long as, as long as I can play the Jason Bateman character, then, you know, I'm good to go. I'm good to go on that. Uh, Jason, let's, and by the way, anytime you can get three Jasons in a row with Jason Bateman and, uh, of course, Jason Bennett and Jason Goff, you, you, you're cooking with gas. I want to talk to you because I mentioned it at the top. Uh, we'll get into sock stuff, but I want to talk to you about the dream and the dreams of young broadcasters. Uh, I was 11 years old, when I, 12 years old, actually, when I first heard the score. And I told my mother, this is what I want to do with my life. 
and she told me, how long you willing to be broke? So <laughs> make sure to drink. Because, you know, we have people come up to us all the time and go, how can I get in? Or what do I need to do? And I can never truly give them the right blueprint because I didn't go about it in an orthodox way. I didn't I didn't. I went through one year of college and came back home and said, you know what, this is what I need to jump into. Interned it when I was 19 and never looked back. But looking at your path to where you are now in the industry, and it is quite the path. Um, when did you know this is it? And when did you know that I belong? Yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, like I there are all these moments and like it hurts me when somebody tells me like, Hey, I'm having a bad season in minor league baseball or like I'm doing, you know, like I'm taking out the trash after the, the minor league baseball game after I just did the game notes and I did the game because those are all those moments when you say, should I really be doing this? But when you have this in your heart and, and you are the perfect person to talk to about this, when you have it in your heart, you can't take life's nose, to mean anything other than in that moment, it is a bad day. Like you have to be arrogant enough to believe that you can in an industry where the probability is not very good. But if you do and you really work at the craft, the great equalizer about this industry and you are the perfect, and I don't say this because you're here, like I would tell people if you were not in the room that you were the perfect example of this, no matter the whimsy of other people, if the tape is good, if the tape is good, if the person is good at what they do, you get to do it. No matter what you look like, no matter what you talk like, if the tape is good, it's good. Jerry Seinfeld in one of the episodes of Comedians in Cars said, that's why I love comedy. You get laughs, they put you on stage. You don't get laughs, you don't get put on stage again. And, and our business is not exactly the same because ratings are muddy and all that other, like whatever. But like, that is the cool thing about this. If you are good, people will find you. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that understanding is what drives me and people like yourself and up and coming broadcasters or anybody that, that wants to do anything in any industry. You got to have that because I, I appreciate the fact that I feel like I haven't worked since I was 19, 20. Now, something some things feel like work. Right. Something. But overall, I feel like I get to get up and talk about the game that I watched the night before uh, or get to get up and talk about a game that now I'm presenting uh, with the with the pre and post game stuff with the Chicago Bulls and NBC Sports Chicago here locally. You, on the other hand, you have so many things that you have to be aware of. I was, like I said, reading the Chicago Magazine piece and understand that you'd rather go to Boise, Idaho rather than San Diego because you got eight teams to study and you know you won't have much to do in Boise, Idaho. Uh, the the no's and the yeses and the ratings and, and taking over for people. How do you still how do you still keep it fresh and still keep it light and understand that, man, even on the bad days, this is what makes me happy? Yeah, it's the creative people. You know what it's like when you have a partner who's creative, who challenges you, when you have a crew who's creative and who challenges you. Like Mark Brady doing the Bulls games is hilarious. Like he showed up with a bag of Biddle honey when I was doing a game two years ago. And I was like, dude, this is the kind of guy I want to be around. Withers, Chris Withers, who does our Sox games, 
he's always got some new element or something that they slap on the screen. Camp is the same way. Stoney's the same way. I, I live for creative people and that is what does it for me. And I know there are some people locally, you know, a couple people, their initials might be FH or something like that, who think that we laugh too much or like it's too zany or whatever. And for me, for me, if it's the same every day, I'm just banging my head against the wall and I'm going to be me and I'm going to laugh. And you know what comes with that? And I've told a certain person that at SoxFest, I've said, you get to like, there are going to be people who don't like it because it's different or whatever you get to that's allowed. I don't have any problem with that. Like I, I laugh about it because like we got a bunch of different people in this country. Some people don't like laughing. Some people don't like a joke in the middle of their baseball game. I'm not going to do the same show every day. And that's what gets me to tomorrow is that Stoney and I have a moment or two or five every game that I truly, and this is said with as little hubris as possible. I truly do not believe anybody else in the country would do because we are us and nobody else is us. Yeah. Yeah. Like the socks, math, the stuff that you guys do and, you know, everything that you've brought to the table uh, and not just your your local broadcast career. But when I listen to you on college football or when I listen to you during the college basketball season, because you can there's not a TV that you're going to turn on for more than three or four days in a row where you're not going to hear Jason Benetti's voice on it. Um, and, And speaking of that voice, man, you know, as a kid growing up, I struggled with trying to, you know, all kids struggle with trying to figure out their voice. Wasn't the coolest, wasn't the tallest, didn't feel like I was the most handsome. And then you go through those times where, I mean, you're not black enough for the black kids. You're not, you know, you're not white enough for the white kids. So where do you find your your voice? Where do you find your your lot in whatever um, category or whatever box you may be put in? For baseball and, and and as a broadcaster and and what your life has been, what cultivated or what matured your voice and how did you find that okay this voice will be not just accepted but celebrated and how long did it take or do you still think it's happening finding that voice like you mentioned doing a different show every single day but doing it in the way that you want to do it how how did you find that voice? Yeah, I now firmly believe that the stuff people make fun of is the stuff that you need to share with people. Like, I, I know that's a little cliched at this point, but like the musical Dear Evan Hansen, there's a song, the second song on the album is called Waving Through a Window. And the first line is, I learned to slam on the brake before I even turned the key. Mm-hmm. And I think when we're not cool, when we're young, we learn to slam on the brake before we turn the key. Like we don't, we want to always fit in. And I always wanted to fit in because I never did. And I don't anymore. Like I, <laughs> I just don't, like, I don't care if people like my references to whatever, like, I don't care if you understand it or otherwise there are some people who do and some people who don't. And, and it's because I believe that like when you're younger, whatever people get after you for, uh, that just creates a level of constraint on your personality. Like I think that happens to a lot of kids. Like they hide portions of themselves. And I just decided like, I'm not going to do that on the air because it's not, I, if, if I was going to do that, I would just go like be an attorney or be a teacher or something like that. Like I, if you're going to perform, you got to unabashedly share whatever is in your heart at that moment. And 
you know, is it is it good? That's for the audience to decide. But but for me, it comes from just knowing that for a long while, I just I, there are things I loved that I didn't tell people I loved for whatever reason because I wanted to be mainstream, and that bores the hell out of me now, Jason. Yeah, yeah, no, I dig it. I dig it. Like Jason, I, I like socks math shows up and like. I didn't know. Like, I don't know what people are going to do. Like, I heard you once, like you were talking about it and you're like, what is this? And I, I like, no I, got <laughs> I got it because I didn't know what it was either. It literally just came from, I think trivia questions are too easy because you can do internet searches. And so there has to be a time component to make your trivia question interesting. That was literally where it came from. We had no meetings about it. I just told the producer, I was like, hey, try this, see what happens. And it worked. But I get like some people are like, why? Why would you do math in the middle of a baseball game? Anything that's really good sucks for some people. Oh, trust me, I know. Trust me, I know. I that. know you know. That's why, like, <laughs> oh, I like I feel preachy at that point. But, like, we both have lived this. This is why I love talking to you. Hey, listen, you're talking to a dude who, when I first moved to Atlanta, Georgia, I did White History Month in the month of March because I didn't think that marginal white athletes were being celebrated enough. And boy, did I hear about it. But it was the it was the top rated segment in a startup station when I went down there. So uh, we, we rolled with it. Jason Benetti joined who us Who did you here. feature? Wait, who did you feature? Oh, listen, our first one. Oh, a Carl Mecklenburg was our first. Uh, was our the Bronco first. linebacker? Yes, our first <laughs> one was Carl Mecklenburg. Uh, Dwayne Shinsis got a, got himself a mention oh, yeah. on this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. I was out here celebrating all my white homies who who didn't get. You know, Carl Mecklenburg was a killer on Tecmo Bowl, but I didn't feel like good old number seventy seven got his tr true and just dude John Offerdahl. You know, pretty much all Tecmo Bowl dudes got their hey, true. Dwayne Dwayne's hair never got its due. Listen, and and by the time I got fired down there, I was getting ready to do Greg Kite, but you know, they, they didn't let me cook the way I wanted to cook. So you know how it is. Uh, <laughs> Jason Benetti joining us here on the Full Go Podcast. I can't even reset because me and this dude, there are there are few guys who I see as infrequently, but I trust more than, than Jason Benetti. Straight up. But I get a text from your, like, we text maybe once every, like, four months or something, and they're the most genuine texts in the history of people who don't text each other. <laughs> we text, we check in, and then we move on. Because I get a chance to hear you, so that's, that's what it is. It's yeah. unbelievable. But I, like, I have to say, this is, so, when I saw that you were doing this, I was like, it always comes around. Uh, it always man. works out for the people who are good. Hey, I appreciate you. I, I truly do. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about where we are in baseball. And for a little while there, there was the pushback on the numbers revolution and the analytics revolution and the sabermetrics revolution and the quote unquote nerds running baseball. Now you turn, you tune into a White Sox uh, broadcast and I'm seeing OPS plus, uh, you know, on a Sunday, this is what the lineup is. Like, I remember seeing the lineup and just seeing the names. Now we're in, a, like, it's so crazy to me because I remember when King Lab uh, got the internet. Like, I started working at the score when we were still digging through the baseball almanac looking for stats, right? And I remember when my grade school got the Internet, and Internet Explorer was amazing. I'm on there watching, you know, tape of Daryl Gardner at Baylor thinking that, is he going to be a good defensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins? Like, 
real nerd shit, you know, because we're nerds. This is the only thing. Like, for all the nerds out there listening, at some point, you're going to be cool and have all the money. So just keep being a nerd. Keep being a nerd. And the dude who is out here being the coolest guy is going to be washing your car at some point. So just keep being a nerd and do your nerd thing. Jason and I are proof positive of that. But the way that baseball has changed, and the way that broadcasts have had to change, and some still lag behind. How do you find that mix of, okay, I want to alienate the people that are the old school people, but I damn sure got to cultivate and, and, and form a new fan base and talk to the people who are out here consuming baseball in a different way. Let's face it, the consumption of baseball, there's a lot of highlight watching. There's a lot of YouTube generational kids out here. There's a lot of Twitter kids out here. How do you, how do you make sure that both audiences are served? Or is it, hey, if this is the shop that you want to stop at, come on in. We got something for you. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I've done the StatCast alternate show for ESPN. And the first time we did that, I said to the coordinating producer, Phil Orleans, who is amazing and innovative and great at this stuff. I was like, I still get to tell stories, right? And he was like, absolutely. We want you to tell stories. It's just like, this is the aim of it. And it was great because I, you know, like we still got to talk Eduardo and Mike and I got to talk about the people on the field. Cause that's the core of it. Unquestionably, that is the core of it. If you make it about the people, you can give whatever stats you want. People are going to be interested, I think. But like that show is different than a regular ESPN show. And that's why I think Stoney and I work well together because he still gives you pitcher win-loss record first. And there are a lot of people who care about that still. I, I think it's insane. And I'll tell him that. And I, like, I don't think it tells you much about pitchers. But then he fleshes out why it's important to him. And it's that confrontation of like, I won, you lost. So it's not really about the stat. It's about the pride behind the stat, which I can get down with. Like I, that makes sense to me character-wise. So I think it depends on the show, but the core of it has got to be the people. Like we care about sports because of our family and friends who are also fans and the people on the field who our kids can follow. Like that's it. And by the way, the, the internet thing, you started looking up Daryl Gardner, you're talking about. My, the first thing I remember like really scouring the internet for, I found out that you could download the NFL primetime music. And there was like a website and I was like, I got to have all these. Like, it's a Bills game going on. So, like, da 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 And I was so happy that my whole Sunday was shot. Oh, man. You're going, going to the computer lab for top ten plays, watching Sean Kemp do his thing, like, missing classes. I mean, that was those were the days. Ah, to harken back to, what was it, 1994, whatever the hell it was when Al Gore created the Internet. Uh, <laughs> the, the Full Go Podcast, what you're listening to, Jason Benetti hanging out with us right here as you can see i'm still in uh terrestrial radio mode resetting every you know three or four questions because that has been beaten into my head by program directors who could never do the job that we do um jason white Sox baseball i became a white Sox fan uh in the early 90s you know baseball for a lot of people is handed down to you by your pops right and my dad is not from this country uh so you know, being of Belizean descent, I had to kind of find, you know, find baseball at some point. And I stumbled upon a team that was on the south side of Chicago, not too far from where my grandmother stayed. Uh, everybody in, in on the north side in Rogers Park and then eventually when we moved to Evanston was Cubs fans. And I stumbled upon a team who changed their uniforms, uh, who all of a sudden had, 
you know, Wilson Alvarez and, you know, you, you had Jack McDowell and you had Kirk McCaskill. And, and then, then, you know, they had some pretty interesting position guys like Ozzie Ginn and Robin Ventura. And they had this big old dude at first base who played football at Auburn and hit the hell out of the ball and had a great eye. His name was Frank Thomas, Ellis Burks and all these other dudes, George Bell. What does White Sox baseball mean to you and have a chance to, to, to broadcast and be the announcer for the team that you grew up loving? You and I joined up at the same time. I was in early 90s, like that series with the Blue Jays. That was like, uh, that was that was a miss, right? Like that, I loved I loved going to the ballpark that one year when John Olerud was chasing 400 to see if the Sox could get him out. And nice. I like, those those were the guy like Lance Johnson. I love Lance Johnson. I love watching Shout out him. to one dog. Love some one dog. Robin <laughs> was my favorite player. Like, but, but, but getting to that like the core of what white Sox baseball means overall like I'll, I'll give you me in a second but i think i've realized like it means a lot of the time feeling overlooked i think that's like at the core of Sox fandom and not only like the espn forgets the 05 world series thing <laughs> but like ben verlander who's a good dude just like omits like the Sox are Mr. Cellophane from Chicago, right? Like they're just, they, people just forget. And, and, but I do think like there are a lot of people we know who are Sox fans who kind of feel forgotten sometimes too. I felt forgotten at points in my life. Like I identify with that in a major way for me though, like going to Sox games, it was like, it was a place that I would go with friends of mine, like go to the ballpark, hang out, like raise hell in the stands just look around, like make fun of the drunk guys, whatever it is, like go for BP, watch Robin hit a grand slam, you know, like as somebody who wasn't like a big outdoor kid, like mm -hmm. I wasn't a camp, like this is going to shock everybody, but I wasn't like really into camping and hunting. Shocker. <laughs> I still haven't been fishing, by the way, so don't don't no, knock yourself. No way. No way. It's gross. <laughs> Like, oh, man, this is why I rock with you. Because it it's, is. It, and it's boring. Like, what are you doing? Like, I used to hate we go to my extended family's house and it's like, can we play a board game or something? Right. All y'all do is sit there and talk. And then you fall asleep <laughs> while golf is on on every Sunday holiday. <laughs> so so for me, like the Sox was getting out and hanging out with friends like I, I have this running joke still with Sox fan friends of mine who I'm in a group chat with. It's four of us, Adam, Jonathan, and Bill. I had a flip phone. We were sitting in like left center field. This was, this was after we all had gone to college, but we came back and we were at a Sox game and there was a little girl, but she was like a, like a big girl. Like mm -hmm. she's a fairly large little girl. She was wearing a twins hat and I thought she looked like Michael Kadire. Oh jeez! And I took a picture of her, and like sent it, <laughs> sent it to my friends. And every now and then they'll share the picture and be like, "Kadire." <laughs> hey man, hey, it's it, the other thing you forgot to mention. Oh, for the most part, Sox fans ain't shit. Like that, that feeling of being beat up your entire life has scold, has scarred you and scolds you every single chance that you get. And you're like, you know what? Someone else has to feel this, uh, this pain. So that's right. <laughs> that's right. So she like girl with a pigtail who's like nine, who I've never right. like, she was, she was 300 yards away. I pulled out my flip phone. I was like, doesn't this look like Kadire? 
sports. But like the think about all the inside jokes you have from going to Sox games, right? Oh, dude, Paco Martin. I mean, I, I once saw Norberto Norberto Martin out, and I won't say where I saw him because I was a kid. And every time I passed by that place, I'd be like Norberto, and and nobody would understand. And I didn't <laughs> have to ex- I didn't have to explain it to anybody. Like for Juan, seeing Juan Uribe at the Aldo store on Michigan Avenue with his entire family and his kids running around snatching shit off the shelves, and I'm like, this is one of the greatest moments. This is after. The World Series. I'm like, this is one. This is one of the greatest Sox fan moments of my life. You know, like there's a there's there's Sox family. Like for instance, when the fans ran on the field, I sat there. We had to we had to book those guys, and I sat there. I was like, I this this feels icky, but this is going to last and and be a part of Sox fans lore for forever. So yeah, there's a we're a strange bunch. Like. I can't wait to talk to my guy, John Yastrzemski, who also who does the New York, New York podcast uh, on The Ringer. I can't wait to talk to him about what Mets fans go through because I know he's a Yankees fan. Right. And Cubs fans can always detail what Sox fans go through and make the, you know, the attendance jokes and all that. But I feel like Mets fans and Sox fans, uh, we're just we're just in different cities, but we get the same vibe from each other. Probably. I think so, too. And and it's funny because like I've ended up becoming good friends with Ron Darling and Gary Cohen with the Mets. And I like their producer is a friend of mine. And I think I just sort of gravitated toward it without even knowing it. But I will say we got better food than everybody. That's oh, of, for course. of course. Come and on, the man. park, everybody made fun of me. Like I have a yeah, bunch of people who made fun of me right when I got the job and they were like, oh, you know, what's it like to have the job? And my first thing was ballpark smells the same. Mm, it it is. Like grilled onions and awesome. And I was like, that's my memory. I have this sense of aroma of that ballpark. That's what, hey, the aromatic uh, memories are, are all we need in life. And I'm going to put that on a T-shirt and try to sell a few of them. Uh, yeah. As we wrap up here, because you've been too gracious with your time, and I know you got to prepare for like 75 games in the future here in like 30 days because that's all you do is work. Uh, and, and, and you know it's it. not work. You said no, it. It's not, it it's doesn't not. feel like work ever. No, especially on payday, especially on payday. Uh, Jason Benetti, Jason Benetti with us here on the full go. Uh, Angels in town, and we are taping this before tonight's Angels game. Uh, Shohei Otani, have you ever seen anything like this? No, and here's, you know, like it hits me a little bit differently, I think, uh, and and maybe you too, but like I extrapolate it to there are a lot of kids who are going to go up to coaches now and say, I want to do both of these. And if the coach says no, somebody's going to say, you might have just said no to the next Otani. And Mm. I like when people in charge are forced to rethink the way they see labor. I I like the idea that Otani has opened the door for a bunch of people to fail at this. They will like not. Nobody's going to do that. But there are going to be a lot of people who go up to their coaches and say, I'll go somewhere else if you don't let me try to be Otani. And I like when people try to do creative stuff. I think that I think it's really fun. I love that he just uh, detonated people's opinions of him. And that is just that brings a smile to my face at every turn. And he does it with a smile. And he also does it with perfect hair at every moment. (laughs) I love it. You know why? Because I saw him on the real sports feature a couple of years back. And I, I'm sitting there and you could tell, you know, the, the whatever the language barrier is, you, confidence comes through when you know you're the shit. And he was that 
two years ago, three years ago, whatever the case may be. And I'm sitting there like I, I, I root for I root for premium play. I root for excellence. I go to shows to see people who aren't amateurs. Right. I go to shows to see who's the professional and why should I be sitting here being entertained by your talent and to, to have Mike Trout and then this guy in the same organization like I'm here for the show and, and I'm looking forward to the series. Uh, the White Sox, Tim Anderson's back, uh, Lucas Giolito is back, Zach Collins has been recalled. This last couple of weeks or so, as you take a look at it, and also the magic number being what it is and the season winding down, where are you at with this baseball team and where should White Sox fans be with it? Yeah, I think um, I don't think it's aspirational to believe they can compete with Tampa Bay and Houston and whoever the wild card teams are. I don't think that's aspirational. I think it's legit when everybody's healthy because Grand- Yasmani Grandal is having as productive of an offensive season as any catcher in baseball. Uh, like, forget about the average discussion. And I know there are a lot of people listening to this who do that inherently. They forget about the average discussion. But like. He's a killer at the plate and he swings 20% of the time and God love him for it. He's just sitting in a rocking chair and then he beats the heck out of your fastball. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. I also think this lineup to me, like one through nine, I think it's really competitive with those other two teams. I, the thing about the Rays though, they play angles as well as anybody. They find your flaws as well as anybody. And I just don't think you can have any slippage at all against the Rays. You can't make a defensive mistake. You can't bring in the wrong pitcher. You can't you can't do stuff that they know better than because they typically know better than everybody else based on covering them and watching them. I feel like they are as tactically sound as anybody in baseball. And so to me, that's the team I'm scared of most if I'm anybody in the American League. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jason, um, I appreciate you. Uh, in times where you know it was pretty dark, you you had some good words for me. And, and whether it be the time we we got together on on Fox Sports with Luke Nellis, and you you said what you said to me, uh, or every three months when we share texts, uh, I I don't I don't trust a lot of people in the industry. I'm gonna be honest with you, but you're a dude who not only I trust, but I appreciate. And you're you're one of the you're one of the good people, and I don't say that just to say it. You're one of the good people, and I'm, I'm proud to know you because I know exactly not only what's happened for you, but what's getting ready to happen for you. You're talented, you're smart, you're funny, and um, and damn it, people like you. So, brother, I appreciate you for jumping on one of the first couple of episodes of this show. Looking forward to having you on in the future. Uh, continued success and blessings to you, man. I, I truly, truly appreciate you, bro. Thank you, Jason. Let me say, um, those of us who have been told that what we are at the core isn't good enough because we're different, we got to be friends. Yeah. yeah. We just have to be friends or else there's nothing, there's nothing that can sort of center us because, yeah. you know, your experiences are totally different than mine, but at the core, they're very the same. And, and that's why I love you as a friend, even though we've never had a meal together. And I, and I always will, truly. For real. I, don't worry. I'll catch you at Chicago Cut now that I know that's where, you, where the big dogs is hanging out. <laughs> hey, I, I got the last table. Like, there, there's somebody canceled. 
Hey, I was there this weekend, and I pretty much was sitting on the river. So uh, it, when, it, when, my, uh, when my star rises, hopefully, I'll be able to get that center table right there in the little foyer, and you and I can chop it up, man. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate you, man. You too, Jason. Congratulations on this. Jason Benetti right here on the Full Goal Podcast. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to the Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. And on top of it, I forgot to mention going into Jason Benetti, it also speaks to the organizational depth and and, and strength when a guy like Gavin Sheets can just come up and hit the hell out of the ball and you don't know whether you're going to need his bat or not, but you're happy to have it. So White Sox fans, this this lineup is deep. Uh, It's getting healthier. Uh, Like I said, Eloy Jimenez with his timing, I I think he'll get that down before, hopefully he gets it down before the postseason starts. And this is a lineup that you're going to have to to deal with. And you got a couple of top flight starters at the top of the rotation in Lucas Giolito and Lance Lynn. So I'm feeling good as a White Sox fan, and you should too. Uh, I'll be back Thursday night with all the latest Bears news out of Hallis Hall. The White Sox wrap up their series with these uh, Angels the Los Angeles Angels, and we'll turn the page and take a look at the Bengals and hear a former NFL's player perspective on what it's like in the locker room when the players know it's time for a change. Can't wait for that. And by the way, uh, that cut came from the NFL Ringer show. Uh, Listen, James Jones, Ryan Shazier got a chance to do a podcast with them uh, on Tuesday and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It was episode one, and we got into it. Those guys like to bust each other's chops, so it's going to be a, a free, fun-flowing kind of vibe. So make sure you're checking out uh, the NFL Ringer feed, uh, Ryan Shazier, James Jones, and myself on Tuesdays. And make sure you keep this number locked in, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. That's where you get your freshest takes off. The voicemail line is right there for you. I want to say thank you, as always, to our producers steve cerruti and my main man chris Tannehill. thank you to vic spencer as always for lending his voice to the show check him out on spotify or wherever you get your music and as always as always be careful out there and be safe and take care of each other we'll talk to you on thursday right here on the full go podcast